Welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as you listen in. We start in 3, 2, 1. So I'm privileged and honored to be bringing you God's word this afternoon. And I pray that you'll be blessed, all of us. How many know of Wright Brothers? Anyone amongst us? If you know, you lift your hand. Yes. So the year was 1903, a day like yesterday, 17th of December. The shy Wright brothers flew their first plane, 36 meters high. And they called their family manager, their sister, Catherine. And they told her, we have flown our first plane and we are so excited and we'll be coming home for Christmas. Quickly, Catherine rushed to the reporters the media house that was nearby, to inform them of what the brothers had achieved. The following day, and she also mentioned to the reporter that and the brothers, my brothers, will be coming home for Christmas. The following day, the headlines read in the newspaper, the Wright brothers are coming home for Christmas. The reporter totally missed the whole point. It wasn't about the brothers coming home for Christmas. It was about the first plane had been flown. Today, despite the publicity, the ad advertisement and promotions, many people continue to miss the big picture around the birth of Christ and what he did for us. Like the reporter missed the most important news that the first plane had been flown 36 meters high. They missed and we miss and, the, the, and we miss the focus on Jesus as, uh, on Jesus as our savior. Many of us may be focused on Jesus as a baby, cute toes, curly hair, soft skin, and puffy eyes, and we stop at that. Others are caught up in the festivities, the overindulgence, traveling, eating, and all those things, buying stuff, overbuying, and we actually sometimes miss the big picture. And the big picture in our case is that the divine, that is God, incarnated in human form so that he can reconcile you and I to himself. That is the big picture. Well, from heaven's perspective, the birth of Jesus was spectacular because there was a need for a savior. But from human perspective at the time, there was nothing spectacular. Everything was mundane when Jesus Christ was born. Many missed the point in those days. For example, we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in a manger. And in that inn that he was born in a manger, there was an innkeeper. An innkeeper was preoccupied. The hotel was full. And probably he was running up and about trying to hand people extra towels, hot water bottles, and all those things that people ask for in a hotel. And he missed the point that the savior of his soul had just been born in a manger. Herod, the king of the day, heard from people that a king had been born in Bethlehem. Quickly, he was filled with fear, anxiety, and was agitated. He didn't even know that the savior of his own soul had been born. All he could think about was how to protect his kingdom. Sadly, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes of the day, who were the custodian of the law, still missed 
the birth of Jesus Christ. Even though they kept the law and they knew that of the prophecy that the son will be born. They were great administrators, teachers of the law, and possessed great leadership skills. But they still missed the birth of Jesus Christ. Then there were people in Jerusalem. People in Jerusalem, that was the center of worship. They were worshiping, they were doing uh, rituals, religious activities, and all those kind of things. And they still missed the point that 25 meter, min, 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 minutes away, like 9 kilometers from where they were in Jerusalem, Beth, in Bethlehem, a savior had been born. They were caught up in rituals and religious ceremonies. For me, the hardest, the hardest and the saddest of all were the people of Nazareth. For 30 years, 30 years, they lived with Jesus and they did not know that that was a savior. All they thought of him was a son of a carpenter. Unfortunately, the world continues to miss the big picture. Christmas is the one, is the most, actually not one, the most celebrated holiday in the world. Right now, the world is themed Christmas. There are staff, trees, Christmas trees, gifts, holidays, reunion, partying, chapatis, immorality. I don't know how you put chapatis and immorality, but you get the point. Spending and overspending is what is happening around this time. And sadly, many will still miss the big picture. And the big picture is that God incarnated, came in human form so that he can save us from our own sins. I want us to read from the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Give me my phone. I am using this, I am going to change the translation. And we use, oh, sorry, I have it. It's okay. Isaiah chapter 9. I know they've started from verse 2, but we'll start from verse 1. It says, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Amen. You know, let me take you a little bit back. How many love history? Pastor Martin told me not to ask for permission because you have no option. But this is what it is. I'll give you a brief history of this prophecy. So Israel, at the that, that point that prophet Isaiah was prophesying, had been, been divided into two. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Two tribes were residing on the south. Two tribes, that is Benjamin and Judah. And the other ten were residing in the north. 
Prophet Isaiah was predominantly a southern kingdom prophet. So some of these prophets you read in the Bible, they were either prophesying from the south or from the north. So um, Isaiah was pro predominantly a southern kingdom prophet. However, he would oscillate at times and he would prophesy also about the other ten tribes in the north. And so in this prophecy, he is prophesying to the entire Israel, the north and the south. And so chapter 8 as it ends, the Lord had declared judgment on Israel. Why? Because of idol worship and because of them seeking diviners and all those kind of things. They had really hurt God and God had declared judgment over the entire Israel. And so he had said that they will go into captivity. And the Bible said that they will look to the earth and they will see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will all be driven into darkness. And so how God had said it will work is that the, 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 the nations that will come to oppress Israel would begin from the north. And so from the north are the nations that the Bible has just mentioned. Zebulun and Naphtali and another tribe called Dan. Those are the ones that were living at the border, at the border on top. The border was porous. And so when the nations, the mighty nations would come to take them captive, those were the first ones to be attacked. And so those ones were attacked by the Assyrians. They were extremely fearful, an extremely fearful nation. They were known for battle. That is what they did day and night, just fight. And so those were the oppressors. And so they started from the north of the Sea of Galilee where those tribes were. were. And they, they were the first ones to face darkness. So the, as the prophet is prophesying, he's prophesying a three-part prophet. He is prophesying about what will happen at the time that the nations in the north and the entire Israel will be trampled over by mighty nations like Assyria and Babylon. And he also prophesied about the coming of the Messiah, that is Jesus Christ. And in the same breath, he still prophesied about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, which hasn't yet been fulfilled. So he was giving a three-part prophecy. And he said that the people at the north, Zebulun, Naphtali, and Dan, they would be the first one to see the light. And Jesus Christ, when he came, he did most of his ministry at the north, at near the Sea of Galilee. He brought so much light there in those places. In fact, the Bible says that when Jesus was in earth, at some point he lived in a city called Capernaum, which was a city in Galilee at the border, that place. And he did most of his ministry there. He was bringing in light. So as a prophet of uh, Isaiah is prophesying, we can see as God, Jesus Christ, uh, God brought light to the tribes then. He is also bringing light to us during this time. And as, as you are celebrating, please do not miss the point. The point is that Christ is the one who brings light. As he brought light to those nations that were trampled over by mighty nations, he continues to bring great light to us. Great light, the Bible says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For those that are here that have been born again, you know that we were walking in darkness and we have seen a great light. And those that were in deep, deep darkness, a light has dawned. Jesus Christ brings light, joy, and gladness. It is more joy than a wedding party. It has just been announced that Maggie and Ken will get buried on Friday. And we will rejoice and we will have so much joy. But I can assure you, the joy that Christ brings is beyond that wedding party. 
Around this season, some of us will get bonuses at our workplaces. If you're not getting, please just look front if, if you know you are going to experience sadness. But for those who are going to get bonuses, you know you're going to be full of joy and gladness. But I can assure you, the joy that Christ brings is beyond that. Today in the evening, a group of men will enter a locker room and they will rejoice because they will have won the but I can assure you, the light, the joy, the gladness, the victory that Christ brings is beyond that. He comes to break the yoke of the oppressor over the, his people, bringing joy and gladness. And since we are in the mood of sharing, I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, it feels good to be free from darkness. Hey, it feels good to be free from darkness. It feels good to be free from darkness more than any other feeling of joy that you can ever have. Free from darkness, free from sin, free from guilt, and free from, sh from shame. The Bible also says in verse 6 that for to us a child is born and a son is given. And that is a mystery. Nothing is weaker, helpless, more dependent than a child so that he can identify and empathize and walk in humanity he came in the way of men and that is by birth in the most weakest most lowly way he identified with us you see the bible continues to say that he is the prince of peace just a minute i think my notes have mixed up so in the likeness of men, his humanity had a starting point and he added humanity to his divine nature. The third thing the Bible says in verse 6, and the government will be upon his shoulder. This is one of those prophecies that the prophet gave that hasn't been fully re realized. Remember we said it was a three-part prophecy. So this is one of those that hasn't been fully realized. However, even to date, we still experience the governance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Leaders of today surround themselves with servants, but Jesus Christ surrounded himself with servanthood. Leaders of this day trade influence for money, but God loves and gave his son, Jesus Christ. Generals of this day need regular wars to flex their skills and their weapons, but Jesus Christ is a prince of peace. The higher the level of importance one reaches in this life, the more they are inaccessible. But Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, God with us. Yet transcendent, yet he is with us. Leaders of this day are desperate to be seen and to be heard. But Jesus Christ sought anonymity so that he could be useful. He was known as the carpenter, carpenter's son. His government is ruling whether you see it or not. And it rules in wonderful and mysterious ways. For example, when you see someone who is addicted to alcohol stop and is reunited with their family, the government is working. When people leave their careers, personal ambitions to serve the less fortunate and share the gospel, you know that there is, there is a government. When people are in a CLG, they are learning, they are sharing, they are praising joyfully, you know those people are being governed by someone when there are miracles, like this story of this young boy, I don't know whether you heard it, of a four-year-old boy for six days was walking in Savo East. 
Did you hear that story? For six days, that boy was in Savo East. That park is full of beasts. It has jackals. It has hyenas. It has snakes of all types. It has all sorts of animals. That boy was there for six days and was found alive. Only a God can do like that. Is that normal? It's not normal. We hear lions can smell blood from far. They couldn't. In fact, the, I was reading that story. Where the, 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 the people from Sheldrick Wildlife Trust are the ones who found him. The pilot said even him, he was shocked beyond measure. As he was uh, uh, using his uh, chopper, he could see the young boy, stop, you know, he was, the cowboy was so weak, so dehydrated, and he was hiding in twigs, you know, like that, and then he would just stagger because he had not eaten, and of course he was eating wild fruits. It has to be a God. It has to be government in heaven. When a woman, for example, has been told she's not, or a couple has been, have been told they are not able to conceive, and then you see them walking around holding their babies, that is the government of God. His government is alive and working, and it doesn't look like the governments of the day. Often silent and unseen, but we all know, everyone that is here, we are being governed, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. The Bible says, and his name will be a wonderful counselor. He is wonderful. He's full of glory. And you can never really look at Jesus, really never, never look, know him and get bored. He's a wonder. The Bible says that the angels in heaven, as they worship him, they keep falling down and rising up. And they, they, they say that they, they see a facet of him they've never seen. As they go down and come up, they see a facet of him that they have never seen. He is a wonder. And once you get to know him, he continues to be a wonder, a wonderful counselor. As a counselor, he guides our life into righteousness. We know that there was an imposter counselor in the Garden of Eden who came to the woman and asked her, did God really say that you should eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And out of that counseling from the serpent, the devil, the devil who had masqueraded as a serpent, out of that, the woman fell into that trap. Crafty counsel. God does not give us crafty counsel. The Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ in collaboration and the Father, Godhead, they counsel us to peace. If you ever visit a therapist, most times you will leave there feeling some sort of relief. Jesus counsels us in peace. The Bible says that is beyond human understanding. That therapist you see or that counselor you see, Jesus will give you beyond that human understanding. He counsels our life and guides our lives and nothing happens in your life and in my life without him guiding. The Bible says that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. He is working it all out. I know you're probably thinking to yourself, Madam Preacher, hold there. My life is a zigzag. You don't understand. My, it is this way, it is that way. It is backward, it is forward. I'm like the children of Israel in the wilderness. But to God, your life is a straight line. Because he's governing and he's guiding. And let us learn to leave things in the hands of a wonderful counselor. His counsel is also sweet counsel. 
It is necessary counsel. It has no self-interest like that of the devil that had interest. It has no interest. He is not detached and, and empathetic. In one of the sessions in my courses, one of the courses that I take, we do role plays. And in one session, I was role playing as a therapist and there was a client who was also role playing. And the story is stage managed. It's not a true story. And as I was listening to this person sharing their story, which is not true, I just looked at her and she shared and I was there and I was wondering, okay, this story looks interesting. And then I was asking her very straightforward, you know, direct questions. How old are you? That is how I was asking her. Uh, how, how, how did you get yourself in this situation? That is how I was talking to that uh, client. And so when I finished, my supervisors were seated there observing. And when they finish, they, they, they normally give you feedback. And so they asked me, Edna, you are so unempathetic. <laughs> that was the first feedback. I was like, didn't you see the way I was putting effort? They said, why are you asking direct questions? You should ask, you know, look like you are listening to your... Where? It is tough. That is how people in this life listen and cancel. I don't know whether they've put that emoji of, <laughs> if they, you know, that is how we, yes, the next line. That is how we listen to stories. Where? Your husband left you. Where? Ati, you did what? That is the world. This is the counsel we give. And we don't help people. But God gives <laughs> a different kind of counsel. Charles Spurgeon, an English preacher in the 18th century, said, how I wish I was in trouble every day so that I can commune with him and sit with him in his secret chamber. That's not a prayer. I want to pray that I'll be in trouble every day. But Charles Spurgeon understood the sweet counsel that he was getting from the secret chamber. In this life, we have two types of friends. We have one type of friend who will always tell you, do you... You are doing okay. Don't worry. Even if you make the most grievous of mistakes, this is a friend you run to and they say, it is not the end of the world. You'll do okay. And then we have the other type of friend, maybe like me in the, my therapy session, who will tell you, no, that is wrong. And you, you need to go and repent and apologize. Now, the first type of friend is very empathetic, but lacks good judgment and can actually mislead you because they will not tell you where you are wrong. And then the second friend who has good judgment and will probably call out the mistake in your life, most probably lacks empathy. So in this life, those are the people we have. And I can tell you, you are either one or the other. Maybe we can pause there and ask, you ask yourself, which one do you think you are? The nice one, the trusted one, but never saying the truth. No judgment, good judgment. Or the one who is direct, but lacks empathy. But Jesus, you get a combo. With Jesus, you get, a, you get a combo. You get good judgment and empathy. He was compassionate and yes, truthful. He's the only one, in my opinion, who has that kind of combination. The Bible says that he shall be called a mighty God, an everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Mighty God is, a, is synonymous with the same word, almighty God. Saying that he is the only object that is worthy of our worship. We worship no one and nothing. For anything that we worship that is besides God, 
is idolatry. And that is a problem that actually got the children of Israel in trouble in the first place. Many people worship many things. And then the other one is that Jesus is the source of all eternity. And many people don't even know that, that actually Jesus Christ is the was there from the beginning and will be there all the way. He's the beginning and the end. He's the source of all eternity. We have religions that challenge his, his, his God, or his, his create, whether he's a creator, whether he's God. And many of us probably even entertain those sorts of religions. But Jesus Christ is a source of all eternity from the beginning all the end, to the end. And then he is the prince of peace, the Bible says. He brings peace. He reconciles us to himself. And that's what he came to do really. That's what he came to do to reconcile us to himself. He's the prince of peace. And that is the big picture. So just like the reporters in the days of Wright brothers, may we not be amongst those people that will miss the big picture. May we be the people that know even as we are celebrating, we actually know the most important thing is that there is a reconciliation between man and God. Let us not be like the innkeepers and get so preoccupied with our lives, so busy, so doing everything else and missing out on the savior of our souls. Let us not be like Herod who was so insecure, so fearful. He didn't even know. He was not secure with his kingship. He's hearing a king has been born. Who is he? Where is he? Can I, you know, he's so afraid. Let us not be so insecure, but let us be so secure in God that he has come to save our souls. And let us not be like the people in Jerusalem who are just so near yet so far, just 25 minutes away from Bethlehem, but they missed to see the savior because they were caught up in religious practices and rituals. All the Pharisees and the Sadducees, so proud and so indifferent, they didn't care. And there are many of us, we do things because they're supposed to be done. We come to church because things are supposed to be here. But our hearts are indifferent. They are not crushed. They are not broken. Let us not be like the Nazarites who were over familiar with God. For 30 years, they couldn't pick that this is their savior or the savior of their souls. Let us be different. Let us not be like the Nazarites. Let us realize that even as we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate the birth of Christ, that this Christ who came was to save your soul. And that is the big picture. He is our light when we are walking in darkness, like he did to Naphtali and he did to Zebulun and Dan. He shed light. He gives us joy and gladness that is beyond what we can even imagine or think. Let us also remember that our hearts are governed by God and his, his government is alive and active and he is working even when we do not feel it or see it, he is working. He is working. And he is your sweet counselor with good judgment, with love, with compassion, with empathy. And he's not removed from your life. He is Emmanuel, God with you. He is your mighty God, your everlasting father from beginning to the end. And he is your prince of peace. He is the only one who is worthy of your worship. And he gives you peace that transcends human understanding. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. He is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, 
the Prince of Peace. Let us stand in his presence. Even if there are some people who missed on Jesus, there are three people who managed to meet, to see him. The first one was the shepherd boys. They were boys. They, they were shepherd boys. In Luke chapter 2, it's recorded there. The shepherd boys, the Bible says they were nearby and they heard and they went and they saw and they left praising. They didn't miss. Shepherd boys met the Savior while Pharisees and scribes missed him. It's an oxymoron if you ask me. There was Simeon, a man who was in the temple. He had told God, I don't want to die before I meet my Savior. And then when Jesus was brought, he saw Jesus and he told God, now I can die. I have seen the Savior with my eyes. And there was a prophetess called Anna. The Bible says as she was in the house of God day and night, and she was praying, when she saw Jesus Christ come into the temple, she said, that's a savior. There are people who didn't miss it, but there are people, many actually missed him. Even those that were great and mighty, they missed him. I pray that we will not be amongst those who will miss him, that our hearts will connect with him, and we will want him to change us, that he will become our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, our prince of peace. That you will not look for peace elsewhere because he came so that you can receive that. He brought great light, great joy, great gladness. And today he's still calling on his people that they will not be like those that missed him but they will encounter him and they will go rejoicing and they will go praising and worshiping because they have encountered encountered the savior of their souls and if you're here and you have never encountered this savior it will be such a waste it will be such a loss that if you cannot connect with this savior and it just it's just a choice it's just a choice to say god May I encounter you. May I know you as Simeon, as Anna, as the shepherd boys, as the wise men from the east. May I encounter you. And may I know you as the savior of my soul. That is the big picture. And that is the main point. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ and you would want to encounter this savior and not miss him, even as you go about celebrating that the Savior will be born in your hearts. Is there anyone amongst us that would want to give their lives to Christ? And we'll pray with you. Just raise your hand and you put it down and I will pray with you. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else who wants to give their lives to Christ? This is the time. Is there anyone? You put it up and then you put it down. We pray with you. Okay. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word as you have spoken from the book of Isaiah. That you are a God who brings light in darkness. And many times your people have walked in darkness. But you have promised that you will bring them out into your marvelous light. Thank you for the gift of salvation that you continue to offer to your people. And that is the main point. And that is why you came. How I pray that our hearts will bow.
and our hearts will be lifted so that we will encounter you as the savior of our souls, O oh Father. For those that are walking in rebellion, in sin, in shame, in guilt, in defeat, I pray that you will give victory as you gave to Gideon, the Bible says, over the Midianites. You gave him victory at night. I pray that, Lord, you'll give your people victory over darkness in the name of Jesus. May you draw them out and bring them into the marvelous light. And for those who have mental defeat, the devil has made their minds a battlefield and speaks defeat in their minds. I pray that, Lord, you will be their prince of peace, their wonderful counselor, guiding their lives into righteousness, O God. Father, we continue to fix our eyes on you, that you will lead us and guide us. As Charles Spurgeon would say, how I would face troubles every day so that I can encounter sweet fellowship with you. I pray that we will encounter sweet fellowship with you every day as you guide us in truth, in, in righteousness, and in light, O oh God. Thank you, O oh God, for you are a mighty God, creator of everything in heaven, in the earth, and everything unseen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ, or talk to, or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 0721 990 880. God bless you.